Welcome to Smart Talk. I'm Scott Lamar. A 2013 survey found that 28% of Pennsylvania homes did not have internet access. With digital and web-based services continually replacing traditional tools and the United Nations defining web access as a human right, the ability to access and use the internet is more important now than ever. With me today to talk about projects which are expanding access to reliable high-speed internet and the options available for households without internet are Bernadette Reinerberg, Director of Community Outreach for and Special Projects for United Fiber and Data. Ms. Reinerberg, welcome to the program. Thank you, Scott. Also in the studio with us is Janelle Dar, who is Executive Director of the Cumberland County Library System. Ms. Dar, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And we're going to be joined in just a few minutes by uh, Kelly Lewis, who is the President and CEO of Lewis Strategic, and uh, he'll be talking about the kind of like the, the technology aspects of this in just a few minutes, so uh, be sure to tune in, uh, or stay tuned, I should say. If you have a question or a comment about internet access, one 1-800-729-7532 is the number to call. Or if you have internet access, you can go to uh, you can go to WITF.org and uh, leave an email, smarttalk at WITF.org. That is uh, the, the email address. Uh, Bernadette Reinerberg, let me start with you. Uh, first of all, talk a little bit about uh, the organization, the company that you're affiliated with. So I work for United Fiber and Data. We are headquartered in York, Pennsylvania, and we are a competitive local exchange carrier. We are currently constructing a fiber optic line that is about 400 miles from New York City to Ashburn, Virginia, which is where the largest internet switch in the, in the United States presides. See, I learned something already. I wondered, you know, I, as I was reading about this, I was wondering why Ashburn, Virginia? That's why. So you have Microsoft there, Google, large companies like that. Where's Ashburn? It's right outside of Washington, D.C. Okay, it's right outside of Washington. Northern Virginia. So what are you trying to do? What is your company trying to do here in Pennsylvania? We will pr be providing Internet service to large companies along the route. Um, we are in Pennsylvania, hopefully by um, early fall, crossing the Delaware River, going into um, the Doylestown area. So we'll be in Bucks County, and we'll come through to... Um, Montgomery County from there, and then Berks County, Lancaster County, and then into York County, crossing into Maryland. Now, when you say we will be into, what does that mean literally? That means that we will be constructing, our actual fiber optic line will be constructed and running through Pennsylvania. So we will be, means that. Mm -hmm. So once that fiber optic is laid, I guess that's still the terminology that we use because we talk about the TV all the time, yeah. the cables being laid. Um, what does what happens after that? What does that mean to customers? What that means to customers is we will have available the fiber optic backbone, and then from there there will be, will be some exit ramps. If you would think of a highway as having an exit ramp into a town or an industrial area, we will eventually have those off ramps. Okay. All right. We're going to talk more about it. I just wanted to kind of set it up uh, for our conversation. Kelly Lewis, who is the president and CEO of Lewis Strategic, and he'll be with us here in the studio in just a few minutes, but he joins us on the phone now. Uh, Mr. Lewis, thank you for joining us today. Hey, 
Scott. Great to be on Smart Talk. All right, let me go back to one of the basic questions here. And I have to tell you that uh, as I read the, the background of this, of uh, over a million Pennsylvanians without Internet access, I have to say that I was surprised because it just seems such a part of everyday life now. But, you know, this may sound like an obvious question, Kelly, but tell me in your words why access to the Internet is so important today. Well, so many government services are migrating onto the Internet, um, getting jobs, getting your benefits. Everything's migrating to the Internet. So more than ever, you know, affordable and accessible broadband is important to every citizen. So this project has has set multifold impacts, and you know we're trying to help every citizen get access to affordable broadband. Now, you know it is it is one of those things that, and I said that it's kind of an obvious question or has an obvious answer. That so much today is handled online. Uh, actually, when I was writing a, a promotional announcement for this, you know, gave a couple examples that applying for jobs or paying a bill or making a purchase, all those things used to be done in person. And so often today it is done online. So when the United Nations, and they made this announcement like, um, oh, probably four years ago now, said that it's a basic human right, would you agree with that? Certainly, you know, to be an, an engaged citizen, to participate in in most things, you definitely need to be on the internet. So, you know, that is a human right. You know, I'd uh, I'd go further and say it needs to be affordable. Like, uh, that's the most important thing I think the project's bringing forward is affordable broadband is very important. Yeah, and again, the the people who do not have uh, access to the Internet, and I'm going to tell you, and, and I'll handle this a different way, and go to uh, Janelle Dar, who is the executive director of the Cumberland County Library System, who probably has uh, as much, I don't know, you've probably observed more than most people of who actually doesn't have access and comes to the library uh, to use the computers that you have or take advantage of, of the Wi-Fi that uh, you do have at, at libraries. So who are the people that are, are coming in to uh, get Internet access? Well, Scott, we did a study about two years ago to take a look at who was using the Internet in our libraries and what they were using the Internet for. And we found that about 5% of our users, and there are hundreds of thousands of them, are people without Internet access at all. They're not connected in any way. And about 13% of all of our users are low-income people. So they're people who may have a smartphone. Maybe they can afford a smartphone, but uh, they can't afford the data plan, or they are very limited in the data plan that they have. Uh, they need to do homework. They need to apply for a job. They need to do all those things that Kelly just mentioned. And that's not really possible via a smartphone. You really need to have a desktop or a laptop computer to be able to do those things successfully. So we found that people who are coming into the library, the top three things that they're doing on the Internet, looking for jobs, uh, 
educational reasons, and also maintaining those social networks and personal interests and hobbies that they have. Mm-hmm. So those are not real surprises. No, they're not. <laughs> no, I mean that. If you ask someone on the street, they probably would the reasons. But uh-huh. of those three, okay, if you're unemployed and you're looking for a job, it's probably the most important thing. But of those three, probably the educational aspect of it could be the most important overall uh, because there are so many people, so many students in schools that uh, need Internet access to complete homework, to do research for uh, whatever they're doing Internet-wise. Do you find that's the biggest part of it or at least the most important part of it? Well, it's difficult for me to say what's the most important part, but it certainly is one of the largest parts. Uh, people traditionally think of libraries supporting students, and I think people traditionally think of K through 12 students. Mm-hmm. But what we found were that adults were really using the internet for educational purposes, either to enhance their their job their their job skills. Uh, or to take tests online. We proctor a lot of tests online for students because they're in online distance programs. There are a lot of people who are looking for financial aid to go back to school. Uh, So all of those reasons are are really important, and education is really the gateway to finding a good job. Mm -hmm. Now, when you say that uh, your research found that 13% were low income, how did Mm -hmm. you find uh, find that uh, out? Well, we did a, a survey and of Cumberland County citizens, library users. And we had about 4,200 responses to that survey. And in, those, in that 4,200 responses, we found of those people who were using our internet access, 13% were at the 200% federal poverty line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernadette Reinerberg, is that the great divide? That is the digital divide that we talk about, mm-hmm. yes. Explain that. Well, what it, it's people that don't have access to the Internet. We also did a survey in the six communities that we studied, and 13% did not have access to the Internet. So they either don't have a phone, they can't afford the Internet, or they don't have transportation to get to a library, for instance. We have a, a, a caller who didn't want to stay on the line. Uh, says she doesn't have the Internet by choice, but uh, she's very familiar with it. Uh, she said she doesn't want to be hacked or traced, she heard there's no privacy law against Internet hacking. Uh, I do know that uh, there, I have heard, maybe not as many uh, people today, but there are very many people who still don't want to pay their bills online or don't want to make a purchase online because they are uh, a little bit concerned, more than a little bit, they are concerned about uh, the privacy aspect, the security aspects of it. Kelly Lewis, what about that? Well, it's certainly been a concern for a long time. Um, and security and privacy are, you know, run tandem. What we've found is, you know, the bad guys keep getting better, but the good guys keep getting better as well. And, and technology keeps evolving. Security keeps evolving. You know, free Wi-Fi, you know, sometimes is a concern for people, but everything's going to move to gigabit Wi-Fi very soon. So, you know, there are legitimate concerns, but there's precautions and safety measures that every user can easily deploy. What do you mean by uh, everyone's going to move to gigabyte, uh, gigabit um, security soon? Well, gigabit Wi-Fi is right on the horizon. It's starting to be rolled out. You know, right now we have regular Wi-Fi. 
Um, and most hotels and public areas have free Wi-Fi, but soon it's going to be free gigabit Wi-Fi. It's called Y-Gig, and Y-Gig is going to be transformational again as your cell phone gets faster and faster uh, and more mobile apps uh, get deployed onto your phone that benefit from fast, super-fast Internet. So for those who may not know, uh, what does that mean? Why does uh, that uh, the higher speed mean that uh, the lines, the Wi-Fi would be more secure? Because when they put the different protocols in place, they keep adding security features. Just like everyone's familiar with the chips and the credit cards now, um, as credit cards evolve, they try and add more security features, and the same thing with the Internet. As the Internet evolves, they try and add more safety features. Mm. Uh, Kelly, I, I understand you're going to be here in just a few minutes. I'm driving in as we speak. Let's see. Yeah. We're given, like, up-to-date... Don't even need a GPS to follow Kelly Lewis right now. We can do it by phone. We'll talk to you in the studio in just a few minutes. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We're talking about Internet access, uh, particularly in Pennsylvania. 1.1 million people in Pennsylvania do not have Internet access, and it is so important today. We're going to talk about a grant with uh, Bernadette Reineberg, of the Director of Community Outreach and Special Projects for United Fiber and Data in just a minute. Uh, we're going to talk about Lifeline, uh, and I'll have everyone uh, define those, explain those. Also talking about uh, what's happening in the libraries, those who are going to Pennsylvania's libraries. Uh, let's face it, the uh, uh, how people use libraries have changed over the years. It is not just going in to find a book, borrow a book, maybe even a CD or anything like that. You have so many people. If you've been to the library recently, you see that the computers are always uh, filled up. You have to kind of sign up at, at many places so to wait your turn in line. Uh, but also many people taking advantage of Wi-Fi there. Uh, Janelle Dar, the executive director of the Cumberland County Library System, is with us. And Kelly Lewis, the president and CEO of Lewis Strategic will be with us momentarily. He's walking by the studio right now. If you have a question or a comment about uh, Internet access, 1-800-729-7532 is the number to call. You can send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You also can leave a question or comment on WITF's Facebook page. Again, that phone number is 1-800-729-7532. Let's go to Gary in Juniata County. Gary, you're on the air. I'll give you our quest. We have the farm in Juniata County. We have guest cottages. Ninety-five to probably ninety-eight percent of the people find us on the internet. But over ten years ago, we started this quest to get high speed. We first had dial-up, which I guess everybody did. My son figured out if we bought a second phone line, he combined the two and made it much faster. Somehow combining the two, don't ask me, I'm not a tech it's person. It's like an ISDN, right? Yes, I, I guess, but yeah. I just know that he hooked the two phone lines together and our dial-up became a whole lot faster. We went to Hughes Network, which is a satellite company, and it was something close, approaching $100 a month. It was very sporadic. Whenever you had a tech issue, you're calling either the Philippines or India, and of course they're like, I am sorry, you're having a bad day. <laughs> so, they, then we went to something called Sky Blue, which is a different satellite company, also equally not as uh, dependable as you would ask it to be. Finally, we went to the phone company. Now, this was a time when Sprint was being bought out by a company, I should say remains nameless, but let's just say it's 100 years plus link in the name. <laughs> and, and they said, oh, if you just get 25% of the people on your phone line, 
to sign up will give you DSL. They won't tell you anybody's names because of privacy issues, so they sent me a little map. My wife and I took a clipboard, and luckily I didn't have sunglasses on because up here people don't really take kindly to people showing up their door with a clipboard. And if you show up with a clipboard and sunglasses, you are in serious problems because they're sure you're with the federal government. Ah. So you go knock on somebody's door. Do you still have the prefix? Ours is 589. Do you still have the prefix 589? So if they did, you would tell them about they could have DSL through the you know, through your telephone line. And, of course, some people would say, well, what is a computer? <laughs> no, no what, year, what year was this, Gary? This was just two years, a little over two. No, this is our second year with DSL. So three, about three and a half years ago, we started this. So finally we got 25, I think there's 60 people on our line, and we got 25 people to sign up. Some of them were so thrilled. There was a gentleman who worked in Lewistown for GE and said, you mean I'd actually be able to check my email at home? And he was about ready to hug me. A state policeman's wife was about ready to hug me. There were several people that were so thrilled that they might be able to try something other than satellite or trying to get kind of a Wi-Fi signal or whatever you uh -huh. would try to get through. Um, it's a little bit different. I don't know how to explain it. I'm sure your guests could. But if you sign up for um, you know, cell phone service, you don't automatically, automatically get Internet. Um, it, it's a different wavelength or something. I, it, somebody explained it to me a long time ago, and I don't retain any of that stuff. So you're, you're just talking about access to DSL. Yes. Right now, I'm just saying we finally got DSL, but it was a five-year... Well, well, we were tortured with the satellite companies for uh, probably about 11 years, and then, or at least 10 years, and then finally, we uh, two and a half... I guess this will be our third year with DSL. We finally got DSL through our telephone line, but like I said, it's a tremendous, and even after we got those 25 people to sign up, you still have to wait a year, or at least that's what we were told. We had to wait a year after we got those people to uh, sign up. Well, Gary, let me have our uh, guest uh, address, because that's quite a story. Thank you yeah. very much. I mean, I have to tell you that, I don't know, I, it's not like we live in the big city or anything like that, but that's quite a story for something happening just within the last two or three years. But that's been the story. Really. Hold on, there, there, Kelly. There we yep, go. That's been the last story, maybe the last twenty years. For for eighty years, there wasn't too much going on in the telephone world that we saw as as users. There was definitely, you know, improvements going on in the back back offices. But the last twenty years has been a revolution. There's been so much change in telecommunications, and the last five years is, you know, condensed down from the last twenty years, and it's going to keep going. One of the things that Bernadette and I have been trying to do is is explain that this revolution, it doesn't end. There's no end game here. We're trying to get everything in the red zone, speed Pennsylvania up, and help everyone that has DSL service now get to the next level, to 10 meg, to 100 meg, to gigabit, to 10 gigabit, to 100 gigabit, which is right on the horizon. And our use of, of technology is going to keep exponentially increasing. And you use the term gigabit revolution. Uh, gigabit per second. What is that, Bernadette? It's about a thousand times faster than what we're using right now. Most um, homes only have about 100. So it'll be so fast that we in our homes probably will be able to have maybe four or five gadgets going, handheld devices, um, streaming movies so much faster, seconds compared to moments that we sit and wait as a movie, you know, downloads that we want to watch. So we could have three movies going at the same time. Someone's uploading data to their office. 
when you're talking Don't, about the you, movies, is, this, is, is, is Netflix and all of that, is that kind of driving some of this? I think most of the way we have entertainment and we have the video games and we play online with other friends, you know, those that have kids understand the need for this. Mm -hmm. So the revolution, UFD, United Fiber, they're never going to sell DSL. Mm -hmm. They're never going to get that slow. They're coming in probably at 1 gig to 10 gig is what they're trying to sell. And libraries are fast moving to gigabit. They'll be at 10 gigabit. And libraries have been great partners with us in our whole project because they make accessible broadband so excellent for communities. So, mm -hmm. But going back to what your caller pointed out, there's so much of Pennsylvania that's rural. and We're, we're considered the most rural state in the well, country. Exactly. But I think part of that is because we have so many municipalities, but that's another show. Go ahead. Well, but there, even in Cumberland County, there are at least 15,000 people without Internet access. And... They're not living in the dark ages. They just don't have the ability to connect. Or so, the income. Or the income. Yeah. But yeah. we're also the last mile of the last mile. It's very difficult to build out to some parts of Pennsylvania because it's so rural for so long. Mm -hmm. And broadband doesn't cross state borders. So all along the Maryland border, all along the New Jersey, New York borders, and Ohio, they're very difficult build-outs to get to those corners. Okay, now FCC, federal regulations, is that why we don't cross state borders? And that's what we had the PUC, Pennsylvania right, Utility right. Commission, and originally for 80 years, that's how it all worked. You know, you you didn't go across state borders. Okay. Now everything's moving fast. All right. Let's take some more phone calls. Uh, we have David in Gettysburg. David, you're on the air. Yes. Hello. Hi. Um, I'm a part of the task force here in Gettysburg that was put together by the county commissioners for the county of Adams County. Uh, we have been doing some work here with uh, Gigabit Revolution, and the results, I'll tell you, have been tremendous. Uh, what we were hoping to accomplish in a few years has really been accelerated by the project uh, and, and uh, work that uh, Gigabit Revolution has been doing. Uh, but I myself, because I'm in the technology field, have been on a quest for faster Internet in a county, a rural county uh, such as Adams, um, where, where I do my business, and I've actually had to move in order to uh, get faster than 3 megabit uh, DSL, even though I live next to a major highway. Um, it's not really clear often where the cabling goes and how it's supplied, uh, just that you know you can't get it if you're looking for it. And I moved for business reasons. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of entertainment reasons out there as well, uh, but uh, there are a lot of businesses that could really do with a faster Internet. Now, Dave, when you say that uh, it's been a, a positive experience, what, what do you mean by that? What? Give me some examples. The accelerated timetable, uh, we, as a, a, a committee put together, again, by the, the county commissioners, uh, were trying to find examples of other uh, counties, other organizations for their counties that had done much the same thing uh, that required a lot of, of basically an unpaid group of, of uh, concerned individuals, uh, a lot of their time. And the movement forward was positive but slow. Um, what Gigabit, uh, uh, Gigabit Revolution did was provide their expertise at having done it many times in the past in order to accelerate that, uh, the interest of, of getting the interest of uh, major companies uh, interested in quoting 
faster internet for a series of businesses, much larger than mine, of course, but uh, a series of businesses that really need that fast internet at an affordable price so they can have jobs. Something something by, a lot of people probably don't think of. David, thanks so much. We've loved coming into Adams County. Literally, we have everybody at the table in Adams County. Three county commissioners come to every single meeting we have. The economic development people, the planning commission, they are all at the table. And it makes it so much easier when everyone's at the table to bring this aggregation model together. And then companies start to pay attention. It's expensive. Broadband in the country, it's billions of dollars get invested in America every year by the broadband industry. And in Adams County, they're trying to say, come here. Mm-hmm. And that's the first step is you got to say you want it. Just like you want your MTV, you got to say you want your gigabit revolution. <laughs> hey, David, thank you very much for your call. You mean MTV when they played music. All right, let's exactly. uh, go to John in Hummelstown. John, you're on the air. Uh, good morning, Scott. Yeah, morning. I'm just turning down your uh, turning down my radio here, so we don't have double bleed. Yeah, there is uh, some technology that we have to do by, I by know, hand. I know. I know. You can't walk. You can't. Uh, there's nothing to push to. You actually yeah. have to turn it yourself. <laughs> very, very um, I had had some experience with computers over the years. For the last 11 years, I worked for the state. I had a computer and used it all the time. And uh, I'm sitting right in front of my here, my uh, um, uh, PC, and. Uh, uh, I think one of the pro- you know it's it's wonderful you can explore an awful lot of things, but things change so doggone fast. Uh, I'm thinking, for example, right now the Windows 10 problem, and uh, you either love it or you hate it. And uh, some people were just absolutely gaga. Oh boy, we got Windows 10 now. So I tried. And I had a heck of a time getting back to Windows 7. It just didn't work at all for me. And uh, you're kind of alone in front of your computer and uh, says, well, if you're having any problem, email us. Well, see, if I could email you, then I wouldn't have the problem, you see. But, uh, yeah, you understand that. Yeah, yeah. uh, Also, you're you're, uh, sitting here in front of the computer, and all of a sudden it says an error occurred. Okay, uh, you know, are we talking that something went on the computer, or do we have a meteor headed for us? Uh, I don't know. It, it just doesn't give you any more information unless you have somebody uh, sitting right next to you all the time saying, "Okay, now you do this, this, and this." Um, it, it gets very, very frustrating. As I said, I use my PC a lot, but I do have that issue that when something goes wrong, what do you do? Yeah. Hey, Jim, I, I think you mentioned to my call screener, how old are you? 73. 73. You're retired? Uh, several times. Okay. All right. Well, I bring that up, <laughs> not to point out your age, Jim, but uh, I have a question down the line about uh, some of us older folk who uh, are dealing with technology. All right. Thank you very much for your call. But... You know, this can be, and I don't know whether intimidating is the word or not, but Kelly, you mentioned the technological changes that we're going through, and you were talking mostly about the technology, the speeds, all those other things, but for many people, they almost hate to invest in something like the software because it does change so quickly. Yeah, but it's definitely a fast-moving river. And once you jump in into it, it doesn't. You don't swim back to the same shore, and that's why it's so interesting for people of any age to jump into it. You can see a three-year-old starts to get this technology thing, and you just marvel that what's it going to be like. They're going to be on Windows 50, not Windows 10. So 
just an exciting time and training and making everyone aware of the different training resources is so important. And again, it goes back to the community, the libraries, the training companies. It's so important that Pennsylvania understand the whole thing. It's You need the infrastructure, but then you need the soft skills to, to train people on how to use it, and then you need to get to maximize it. So advice to someone like Jim who is concerned about all the changes. Well, I mean, you, he doesn't want to be going out every six months and... and buy new software when internet's up and you're not getting error messages you can google all kinds of different things on how to how to do this how to do that like you know someone just passed away yesterday you can google funeral etiquette and what you're supposed to do or not do there's a it's a vast resource that we need to learn how to use more and more frequently. Mm -hmm. And go ahead, Jenna, what were you going to say? Well, what I was going to say was we find that about half of all of our computer users are there because they want the librarian's assistance in figuring out how to do things. It's always surprising to me. I commend the caller because he obviously knows how to use a computer, but there are many older folks that don't have a clue how to use a mouse. Um, just getting those kinds of basic techniques down. Really? Yes, believe it or not, it's true. There are many people who have had business support, email support, during their working career, and then when they're downsized out of a job, they have to figure out how to set up a Yahoo Mail or Gmail account. A lot of people don't know how to do that. So libraries are kind of on the, the first line of helping people to figure out how to manage their digital lives. You know, you're in a good position. You and I talked about this a little bit before we went on air. You're in a good position to see how things have changed over the years. Um, and, okay, pun intended, the Internet, when it first, uh, you know, before, when Al Gore invented it, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was the domain of young people. Now, people of all ages right. are, are using the, the Internet. But how, what changes have you seen in Internet usage um, over the years? And, and, and by that, you know, like I said, you're in a good position to observe because of, uh, uh, because of the people coming into the library to use the computers or Wi-Fi. Well, I think some of the biggest changes are, as Kelly had mentioned earlier, so many government services, you need to apply for Social Security by going online. You, so you many, can't do that by on paper now? Well, you can go into the office and visit, but their hours are very limited. Mm -hmm. There are long lines there. They, they're short-staffed. Um, you can't apply for a job without sending in a resume to an email address or filling out the application online. If you walked into Walmart to try to apply for a job, they'd say, go home fill out the application there online. Uh, so, and, and digital education. So many classes and things are available uh, online now, and all of that has really changed as a result of the internet. Libraries have changed as a result of the internet. 20 years ago, you know, maybe a third of all libraries had one or two computers available to the public to access the internet. Now virtually all libraries have a number of computers available to access the internet. But have you seen a change in the ages of the people who are using your internet? Uh, no, I, I think it's across the board. Mm -hmm. I'm always surprised by the number of younger people who are still coming in to use the internet. You, you make the assumption that everybody has online access either through their phone or computer at home. 
but we see a lot of older people needing to learn how to use computers, and, and that's what libraries are really there to help with, and to provide Bernadette. those resources and, and classes and instruction. Bernadette, I she, see you shaking your head yeah. vigorously well, it, in agreement. And what, well, we, what did you want to add? We met a great company called Generation Connect, and they actually go out to the senior centers, and they mm-hmm. teach these people in those centers how to communicate with their iPads so they can have a conversation with their grandchildren over in China or mm-hmm. across the country. So there's a great um, turn of the age there that are getting a lot of hands-on on how to communicate. And so that's an, another change is the way we communicate so much mm-hmm. is through this. Mm-hmm. One other anecdote that'll be interesting to see the results. June 30th of this year, just a week or so ago, Every attorney had to register online for their annual renewal, and it was I, they, their volume must have really spiked. It was hard to get through on the system, and I'll just be interested to get some of the anecdotes to come out because even when I did talk to them, I said I, I just I'm just curious. Has it been an interesting week for you guys? And they said it was very interesting because <laughs> a lot of lawyers, younger lawyers, have been online their in, right. But the older lawyers didn't they don't have to file pleadings online or anything like that yet so it'll be interesting to see how that played out yeah. we get a lot of phone calls and a lot of emails and we'll get to them in just a moment you're listening to smart talk on witf your home for npr news and all things regional i'm scott lamar and let me just mention follow up on uh, sally jewel the interior secretary uh, appearing with uh, Diane Rehm. We also will be uh, broadcasting live from uh, the Gettysburg National Military Park as part of that 100th anniversary. That will be in late August, so we'll keep you uh, updated on that as well. We're talking about Internet access in Pennsylvania. More than a million people who don't have who don't have uh, access to the Internet, and it's becoming increasingly more important uh, today, as you probably are aware. 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You also can leave a question or a comment on WITF Facebook page. Again, the phone number is 1-800-729-7532. We have a few emails here. And, you know, Jeff says it pretty well. Human ingenuity can be regarded as one of the world's greatest natural resources. The Internet provides the means to foster ingenuity and to bring innovative ideas to the world, even on an individual basis. We have seen this repeatedly over the past several years. An innovative solution to a world problem may be locked within an individual who is unable to share it with the world due to a lack of access to the Internet. We don't think about that. But that's absolutely true. Good point, Jeff. Thanks for uh, for making that point. Um, Joe from York says, Comcast doesn't have to work with us because their terms of service with the township does not require them to provide service to people who are too far apart. We don't have enough people in this area to get DSL even if 100% of my neighbors signed up for it. Why can't Wi-Fi be considered a utility like phones? It's so necessary, and our phone company won't help. Well. That appears to be what you're trying to do, right? Absolutely. I think we're trying to fill in the gaps. We're trying to bring, you know, UFD into the state of Pennsylvania is a great opportunity for the Commonwealth. And we're also trying to attract more broadband companies into Pennsylvania. And at the same time, we're working, all of us are working to get it more affordable. Mm -hmm. We want to take that $130,000 gigabit price down to Mm $1,000. You know, something else that uh, is covered in that email, Joe's email, is that, and this is a whole other program here on Smart Talk, but that in certain areas, you do not have a choice 
as to who your internet provider is going to be. And uh, so that is why it's so important for many people to uh, have access uh, to widespread Wi-Fi. should mention at this time the city of Lancaster. The city of Lancaster is uh, in the midst of uh, a project right now where everyone in the city would have access to, uh, to the Internet, would have access to Wi-Fi, I should say, and access to Internet because uh, the city does see, see it as so important. You know, one thing I do want to mention, and I don't think we can stress this enough, I kind of mentioned this earlier, Janelle, but I, I, as I was reading about this, 70% of students in school are getting homework assignments that have to be completed online. And if you're a student who doesn't have access, first of all, I'm a little bit surprised when they know that there are some students who don't have access, but still, that 70%, that's a lot, of right. a, a lot of your schoolwork that is having to be done online that you need this. Right, that's why the parents have to drive them to the parking lot of the school at night right. so they can complete their assignment and download the files or upload. Um, even Lancaster County has that problem. All of the counties around Pennsylvania yep. have the that schools, problem. As we found out in our project, the schools through the intermediate units have some of the fastest internet in the country, very affordable. And then when the students go home, there's a new digital divide. School super fast, home not so fast or they don't have it. And we've been working, again, with the libraries, some of the stores, like Giant, have free Wi-Fi. Right, right. I know we did a project back in Camp Hill School District years ago to try and find all the free resources and then market them to the students so they know where they can go. Mm -hmm. So awareness is a big part of making broadband accessible. Before I go any further, and Bernadette, I don't want to bring this up. We do have a few phone calls, but one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on today was to talk about a grant that is coming your way. Not you personally, yes. but coming your way. It has come our way, yes. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that. Sure. We, we are recipients, and we just finished up, actually, the grant on May 15th and continue to do the work, though. Um, it's a broadband outreach aggregation fund grant through Department of Community and Economic Development. Development Here in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. yes, mm -hmm. yes, and so that gave us the ability to study the communities. It's a separate project from United Fiber and Data's construction of the backbone. A separate project was to study the feasibility and the engineering of some of the communities along the route that this will come through the path in Pennsylvania, and that is how we met Kelly from Lewis Strategic and Big Wireless in York, also a Pennsylvania company, to help us with the study and the outreach and the awareness as part of that study. Mm. Uh, you know, what is, uh, I read an article from Public Source about this in Pennsylvania. Um, it was talking about uh, some of the areas in the state that uh, where had the highest percentages of uh, no internet access. Allentown, uh, for example, is uh, one of the, the cities that has the, the, the highest percentages. Philadelphia, not the highest percentage, but most people just because of the highest population. But a lot of the cities, York, for example, a lot of them, you know, Janelle and I, you, we were talking before the show, those areas, it shouldn't be a surprise even though you know it's an urban area, but there are a lot of low-income people living in those areas. Uh, so even though there may be Wi-Fi nearby, they may, may not have um, a, a computer even to be able to afford this. So a lot of it does go hand in hand. Let's take uh, some phone calls here. Let's go to Michael in Glenrock. Michael, you're on the air. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, yeah, we're, I'm glad you mentioned the school situation because that's the situation we're in. 
uh, in southern York County, uh, the school district, um, they've deployed Chromebooks at the high school to all the students expecting them to be able to have Internet access at home, and, and we don't. We're in a kind of a, a dead zone here in York County where we don't have cable, we don't have Internet or anything else. Um, so we've had to rely on uh, satellite Internet for my telework uh, operations, and that is a very expensive proposition, almost $100 a month wow. for very limited service. Um, we actually downgraded to a different company, uh, got less, less, we only get like 10 gigs a, a month, and uh, that gets used up fairly quickly. So we don't stream, we don't do Netflix or anything like that. We just basically do emails and whatever research we can do. My point uh, that I wanted to call about was that the PUC really um, hasn't been much help in this area. They ruled that um, when there was a challenge to this with the BFFR program, one customer or one resident uh, wanted to uh, request DSL in their area. And the PUC ruled that if Verizon and other companies could provide service, however minimal, to a, a resident, then there was no obligation for them to deploy DSL, even if there were enough uh, you know, petitions in place to uh, request such service. So the PUC has to do its job to ensure that um, uh, they, they facilitate the uh, utility companies to deploy this technology um, regardless of, um, you know, the, 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 the demand, if you will. Um, in the case of this uh, broadband uh, requirement uh, that is established in the regulations, I understand the minimum uh, only needs to be 1.4 megs down and 126 kilobits up. Mm -hmm. And those regs are just not being updated fast enough to keep pace with technology. So I guess the bottom line comment that I wanted to make is, you know, until the PUC gets its act together with regards to um, ensuring that utility companies do provide this as a service, as a utility, like telephone, like electrical, like water, um, not a whole lot's going to change. All right, Michael, thank you very much for your call. And I know that uh, we do have uh, PUC commissioners who listen to the program, so this is an opportunity to talk about it. Kelly, what about that? Well, I helped write the law in 2004 when I was in the State House. But I will say that technology's changed so vastly since 2004, and the PUC rules on things. They don't write legislation. They sit and rule. They're a commission. And technology's changing so fast, it's hard for even legislatures to keep up with what's going on. And and also to make things affordable, it's the infrastructure to build it, and then you got to make it affordable so people can use it. So what we're seeing is, and the gigabit revolution is going to start this, the Wolf administration did approve the broadband grant that UFD received. It's been one of the most extensive BOAF grants, Broadband Outreach and Aggregation Fund grants, that they've ever done. I've been a part of many of them. The engineering work we did, the, the hubs that we're trying to yes. build where the, the ramps will be built in the seven or the six counties and the seven communities was vast. And what will happen to help guys like Mike is part of our study was that whole Southern York, Southern Adams corridor with the commuters. Like right. There's right. a whole opportunity. It's a growing population, yeah. There's a hop opportunity for Pennsylvania to capitalize on by getting broadband out to the southern area so that we can bring those companies from Baltimore and Washington up uh, to, to those areas. So we're excited about the project. This doesn't happen overnight. These are... But we've built the kind of the groundwork and the groundswell for infor 
of uh, support. Aggregating, and we're continuing to push and meet with these communities as well. Because no. Go ahead. Well, just like Adams County, the gentleman that called from Adams County in Gettysburg, um, we are uh, encouraging everyone to band together and to pull in whoever they can to these meetings so they can help aggregate to get a supplier in here to a Verizon or a Comcast, say, or a new company to actually build the off-ramp. Because every community, it will look a little different how they become a gigabit community. Yep. So he's in York County, the York County Economic Alliance, the, cha the Hanover Chamber. They're all knee-deep in these projects, and they've been very supportive of what we're trying to do and taking us to the next level. Like, we, we did what we did. But every 18 months, this technology is going to double and the price is going to go down. By right. it, it will. But let's talk about, the, from an economic standpoint, uh, Verizon, AT&T, the, the providers. Where do they make money if Wi-Fi is offered, if, if broadband is, is offered? Where are they going to make the money if they don't have individual subscribers? Well, they're smart companies. They've been around for a long time, and they're trying to figure out how this all works. And, and they'll make some mistakes, possibly, that they're going to capitalize on things. Verizon is Verizon Wireless, which was a brilliant investment on their part. So wireless is growing. People want to have it on their phone. And there's going to be a lot of change happening in the broadband industry going forward. All right, let's take a phone call from Roxana in Mechanicsburg. Roxana, you're on the air. Thank you. Um, I'm calling to say that um, people with disabilities have even a larger problem with access to the Internet. I um, went to my local library, and I was not even provided a functional left-handed mouse to use, which I think is deplorable. Mm. So you, you're saying even your local library, you did not have as much access as you need? Cumberland County, correct. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you very much for your call. Is she right? She is right. And... A lot of that's due to funding. All of it's due to funding. Uh, if we had, if if libraries were leveraged appropriately, we could provide a lot more services to the disabled community, to seniors who don't know how to use the internet. Uh, there is a lot of need out there, and while we're grateful to uh, Governor Wolf and the legislature for the very small incremental increases that have been made in the last year or so. Uh, we still were cut about 40% 10 years ago and are still tr swimming as fast as we can to try to make up for that. Mm -hmm. yep. The unemployment rate for the disabled that want to work is over 60% in this state. And, and we just have to do a better job of, of figuring out the strategies mm -hmm. to help persons with disabilities be able to enter the work world of work. But think of them. They, they have to use the Internet as well. They have to get to a library or someone else or someplace else that has affordable broadband. So that's a whole paradigm. And Roxana, thanks so much for calling in because it points out where this needs to go. Mm -hmm. We only have a few minutes left and there's so much we want to get to. But Lifeline, uh, this was something that the FCC passed in, at the end of March of, of this year that would provide... Uh, not actually cash, but credits to people that it's, this is a program that's been around since the Reagan administration uh, to provide like $9.25 a month, I think it is, credit toward phone service. And what the FCC voted to do to, was expand that to internet service. Uh, this could have an impact on up to 40 million Americans. 
How much do you know about Lifeline? Where does this fit in? I mean, there's a lot of strategies, again, at the federal level trying to figure this all out. And the net neutrality has dominated all the conversations right. with right. all these big companies. But it comes down to people need access, and it needs to be affordable. So Lifeline used to work in the old days. Now they need to update it. And there's there's all kinds of funds around broadband at the Department of Agriculture and other things that need to be modernized. We, we came across it a few times. The USDA. Yeah, on the USDA side. Everything's going to have to modernize. And whatever they do probably won't work in 36 months when they do it because it takes so long to get things done now. And the, the technology industry is not stopping. Well, Kelly, okay, you worked in government. You were a state representative. You know government doesn't work very quickly, but the technology is outpacing almost anything in our society. So how's government ever going to keep up? They need to just create level playing fields. That's what to make technology grow in Pennsylvania. We need a level playing field. We don't need winners and losers. We need level playing field, clear rules that everybody knows, and then let let the innovation occur. We need an How innovation do you do that? zone. I mean, that sounds. I don't want to sound critical of Pennsylvania, but that does not sound like Pennsylvania. There's great ideas going on right. in the country. United Fiber, United Fiber and Data is playing a big role in this and mm-hmm. giving this to Pennsylvania. We are so fortuitous to have a time where a company is actually giving 21st infrastructure plans into Pennsylvania to make this affordable and accessible. And this is just part of the groundwork that we're, we're doing right now with do, making people aware. Does government know how important this is? Do, they, do, do people in state government realize that uh, this is not just a luxury thing? Intuitively, there's some parts of government that want to control it and they want to own it. But my challenge with that is that the government can't work fast enough for how technology is changing. But at the same time, government needs to play a role because everything's regulated on the telephone side. So they need to be unshackled. And and we need to catch up. The rest of the world isn't waiting for America to to catch up here. The rest of the world's moving much faster. Really? The other states are moving much faster. Hmm. We only have a minute or so left, and uh, I, I hope you don't mind me jumping around because there's so many issues I wanted to touch on. Kelly Lewis, let me have you, because uh, you have a, a broad view of this. Uh, what's the future hold? Near future, long-term future? UFD is a game changer. Coming into Pennsylvania and putting in this large investment is making everyone pay attention to broadband when there really hasn't been a broadband strategy in Pennsylvania for about 10 years. So maybe this is going to bring everybody back to the table and say, what do we need to do to bring innovation into our state? I have to admit that I'm surprised at the number of emails that we've received from me. I mean, we had a listener in Conestoga in Lancaster County uh, that, you know, it's a rural area, but not that rural, um, that saying that they, they're in one of those uh, dead spots that, that they cannot uh, get any kind of Internet access. I want to thank the three of you for being with us. Bernadette Rennenberg, Director of Community Outreach and Special Projects for United Fiber and Data. Kelly Lewis, President and CEO of Lewis Strategic. And Janelle Dar, Executive Director of the Cumberland County Library System. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks Thank so you. much. Coming up on uh, tomorrow's program, what would foreign policy look like under a President Trump or President Clinton? That's on tomorrow's show.